In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast, Swampy Swamp Muckety Muck, is the one, the only. Swampity Swamp Swamp, Travis Ratz here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast, where Travis and I delve deep into some comic books. We go we go head first, deep diving, well, I, I, spelunking start that into over, the funny pages. Start that over again, and I'll do the yeah. Game of Thrones theme song over it. Ready? Hit it. Yeah. I lost it. I can't, I can't do it while you're doing that. <laughs> you were talking about delving and diving yeah. and questing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we'll, we, I, every other week or so, Travis and I go spelunking into the funny pages. Mm-hmm. We strap like on that. we strap on our little miner's helmets with the little, the little lamp on them. I'm we bring us a this. canary in a cage. I'm loving and we, it. And we go deep within yeah. the bowels of comics, and that's what we're—that's what you're listening to today, guys. You're listening to a a uh, a, a comic book club episode, episode, episode. Traps <laughs> and I are are knee deep in the muck keep, of the keep saga. Going, keep going with the mind. Keep going with the mind thing. The saga of the swamp thing. Uh, DC Comics uh, and Vertigo. Uh, written by Alan Moore with art mostly by Stephen Bissett. Uh, and the first issue of Alan Moore's run came out in 1984. I was a whole two years old. I was born. Travis Ratz was born that year, the year of the Swamp Rat. Ooh. That's what it is. I wonder when so, the first issue. Uh, January. Oh, I was a little little after it. Hmm. Lame. Wouldn't it be great so, if Swamp Thing and I shared the same birthday? Alan Moore's Swamp Thing and you say share the same birth year. That's cool. Uh, you know what? I'll take it. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Two fine things came out of 1984. You and Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. That's exactly it. That's, that's exactly it. right. That's it. So here's the thing. Normally we, we do some like filler. We do some BS. But you know what? I got too, I got too much to say about Swamp Thing. I, I, I say we swamp right into this Swamp I, I'm I'm ready to swamp the swamp swamp swampy swamp swamp swamp. So uh, first thing, yeah. What are first of all swamp thing is so one of the things that I want to talk about today is do that I it's really, in Louisiana? Do I really like this book or do I absolutely love this book? And I hope by the end of this podcast <laughs> I'm going to figure this out. The second thing is how great of a name is Swamp Thing? It's great. It's a good. It's like it is the most normal, like the most plain name ever. Yep. But it's so like it like so the original Swamp Thing starts in 1972, right? Like Bernie Wrightson and Len 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 Wen Len Ween the Wolverine guy, yeah, the Wolverine guy uh, do a short story. That short story turns into an ongoing series of Swamp Thing. I think that they both do about ten issues together, um, something like that, and then it's taken over. 
years later uh, by um, a couple other guys at DC comes back. They do it again. So uh, when Ween leaves and goes to Marvel, does Wolverine, then comes back to DC, and they try to they revive Swamp Thing. And that goes for about 19 issues, and then they need somebody. And the person they call up is 2080's Alan Moore to do his first work for DC on Swamp Thing. So Swamp Thing is this wonderful sort of like 70s uh, horror comic book character, right? This very like um, uh, into mystery, suspense story. The the thing I I love about Swamp Thing, I love saying Swamp Thing first of all. It's like a very like horror camp sort of thing. I also think a great name for you, you know how you like play music and stuff like that you should be called punk yeah. thing you should be called punk thing punk thing yeah. i like that I like um that. it's the name of my first album punk, punk thing punk thang with an a with an a you make my heart sing sang. Um, punk thang. <laughs> it's an easy song to play um yeah uh, I feel not only is the character design so malleable, it can be, you know, it looks different. It's very much like a Hellboy. And we'll talk about that later, like the, the look of Swamp Thing. But his yeah. story is so malleable because he is like this vegetable creature. <laughs> like sometimes. Mineral, animal, vegetable, mineral. Which one is it? <laughs> sometimes the book is a horror book. Sometimes it's an adventure book. Sometimes it's a romance book. Sometimes it's a mystical book. Sometimes it's a magic. Yeah. It's sometimes it's a fantasy book. Uh, sometimes it's a straight up superhero book. Uh, the character itself it, it lives outside of genre, and so yeah. it, it's 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 a perfect character for a writer's writer to write on you know does that make sense like the uh, someone yeah. who has a a story to tell it could be any story and if you put swamp thing in it it can work right and alan moore does this thing he literally jettisons everything about the original swamp thing and flips it on its head and instead of swamp thing being a guy who turns into the swamp thing yeah. he goes nah it's just a thing. Yeah, it yeah. is literally, it's a swamp. It's a vegetable that thinks yep. it's this dude. Okay, so it we're really going to get into that. What I, what I want from you is, because uh, yeah. I, I, when I started reading Swamp, this this saga Swamp thing, you yeah. open this first, it's very tough because the first issue, you're like, who are the fuck are these people? And why but it doesn't is, matter. Why it doesn't are, matter. It doesn't matter. But so, Josh, you have actually yeah. read the run before um, this a little bit. You've, you've no, so there's about... So they renumbered it. So one through nineteen are renumbered. There's an original one through ten or something like mm-hmm. that, or one through twelve or thirteen, and then they renumbered again when uh, Len Wein came back and published it. So I've I've read the original ten issues uh, or something like that with Len Len Wein and. Um, First Bernie appearance. Wright's so the very absolute first yeah, appearance. Yeah, so I, I read that stuff. Who, so tell us, who was Swamp Thing in that before Alan Moore? So, can, very quickly, can you like give us a big picture of that? So essentially, it's it's a very sort of like pulpy origin story, right? This idea that uh, this guy, Alec is his name, right? Yeah. Like uh, he, he's doing experiments in the swamps of Louisiana. You know, like swamp, uh, swampy experiments. Yeah, so somebody's at, I, I think, I, now I'm going to be totally wrong and someone's going to be mad about this. But what I remember, and it's been years since I've read it, is that uh, someone is trying to stop his experiments or whatever happens. 
there's an explosion in the place he's doing his research. Classic he, scientist he, move, right? He and the he and the chemicals go into the muckety muck, and he turns into Swamp Thing. Yeah, and he still loves this woman, right? He's still in love with her, yeah. but she's found someone else. He's he he wants to bring. He wants to get back to being a man. Right. Do you, do you so, remember if the original villain was Arcane as well in that? Yeah, Arcane is in that is in okay. that run too. So uh, he very much wants to turn back into. That's a lot of what it's about. Like the goal of stop stopping being Swamp Thing and being uh, a man. Right, going back to being a man. Very Beauty and the Beast. Right. Yeah, like almost. What like, can I do? Yeah. To turn back into a man. It's almost like he wants to turn back time. Time, but. What I love about what I love about Alan Moore taking this over, he essentially goes like, "Screw that! I don't want to write the story of, a, of of this thing who wants to become, who wants to be able to turn back into a man. I'm going to get rid of that whole concept that this story is about his struggle with with trying to find a way to become human again. This story is about like this vegetable." realizing that he isn't a man right and what does he do now that he realizes that he can't go back right so right for those of you who are listening to this uh i I don't know why people listen to the comic book club if they listen to because they've read it or they're thinking about reading it or they just listen regularly and they're like oh some of these things i'll check out some of them i won't but if you if you have not undertaken uh the saga swamp thing yet realize that first issue uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, but it will make it. You don't need it's. He's clearing the board. Alan Moore is clearing right. the board. So don't right. worry about not understanding who all these characters are that you see. These names that are mentioned. That first issue, it's a little bit of you're in the weeds a little bit, but then he clears the board, and the rest of the issues, and at least volume one of Saga of uh, the Swamp Thing, are. Uh, pretty much self-contained within this world that Alan Moore creates. Uh, and it's a really right. brilliant move. And, like, good on DC for letting... I mean, this is back when comic book properties, maybe they were, you know... I don't know. I, this is kind of around the time when DC might have been struggling a little bit, you know? Well, um, I mean, what do you what do? you do? Like, you bring Len Wein back, and you're like, okay, well, we're trying to make something happen with Swamp Thing. And we got a decent run. The guys who were doing it wanted to stop. And the movie's so, coming. I don't know if the movie came out before Alan no, run or after. No, the movie would have been in the 90s, isn't it? The movie's in the oh, early 90s. Is it? I thought it was more I, of like an 80s type of thing. Oh, uh, let me I'll, see. I'll, 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 I'll double check while you're talking. So I, I think like the big thing that we get out of this is we, we get this, um, this, this, this look at Swamp Thing. And really that, that first issue is called Loose Ends, right? Because Alan Moore is essentially literally wrapping up all the loose ends and killing Swamp Thing. Right? Like, he ends this first volume, this first issue, this issue 20, right, to close up the art. 1982, sorry. That when the movie came out? Yeah, the first movie. Oh, all right. So So this would have been been after the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we get rid of this. We're essentially clearing the deck. We get rid of the major villain. We show that the major villain is dead. And then we go ahead and we kill Swamp Thing. So let's talk about his reboot. I love it. I love the idea that... And Alan Moore... We'll talk about his writing style. But one of the things he does really well is he tries to incorporate as much science or 
uh, pseudoscience as much as possible to make the more fantastical elements seem real. And the way he gets away with this in book one is there is this real worm. I'm guessing it's a real worm. It seems like it's a real thing that uh, I think I've heard about this before, actually, where uh, scientists did tests on these. This is in the real world. Scientists did test on this worm and where they taught a worm how to run a maze. I don't taught it or the the worm ran a maze. And then they chopped that worm up, and they fed it to another specific type of worm. If Josh, if you looks like you're looking through it, maybe you can find the name of that worm. Yeah, I um, can't see it, but... And they fed the worm to another worm, and that worm, who has never run the maze before, all of a sudden, in just ingesting the other worm, now contains that worm's memories or lessons. So the way that right. Alan Moore clears the board is, you know, when Alec went into the... Planarian swamp, worm. Planarian worm. Um... Uh, it sounds like something that you do not want to get in Thailand. Um, <laughs> and uh, he goes into the swamp, and basically, Alan Moore's like, yeah, basically the swamp, there was the, the vegetation there was like a polarian worm, and mixed with the chemicals that he was working with, creates this mass of living consciousness vegetation that thinks it's Alex, because that's Alex meat pieces are inside of this right? stew, the muckety-muck, as Josh calls it. Right. I love it. It's, I think it's brilliant. It's a great way to do it, and it's a great way to go, like, I'm going to change gears of the story, because really, you have this whole thing where it's really about Alex trying to come back and be a man, right? And, and that story gets old, right? It if he's continually searching, you either have to write away for him to just go like, no, I am swamp thing. And this is what I have to do. Right. So instead of giving, instead of giving the swamp thing, like a, a moment where he realizes that he just has to be a hero right. and he has to give up trying to become who he was before you go, no, screw it. I'm going to really mess with the mental state of my character. Right. I'm going to make him realize that he never was a man. It's it's almost a story of immigration in the sense and ass- assimilation in the sense that the old swamp thing was a a man trying to live in the plant world, like trying to deal with like his new life in this plant world. Yeah. But now it's this plant who has to deal with this human world, you know. Right. And I think that's more of it because. We don't know how plants think, if plants think, what they would be concerned about, what their issues would be, how they interact with the world. By having it be a plant that has a tiny bit of humanness that it has to assimilate more into, it, it, it allows for a deeper conversation. And basically this whole book, as most of Alan Moore's stuff is, is a giant allegory. You know, it all becomes yeah. like an allegory for something, you know, and, I, and, and if you don't like allegory, don't read Alan Moore. Don't read the I do, I do like the I, I do like the idea that like not only not only this whole worm thing, but we killed him and then we froze him, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's gonna come back to like we're able to we're able to like you're able to reset the whole story by killing killing, quote unquote, swamp thing at the at at that 
first issue that uh, he takes over with. And you had you that, know? that classic monster trope of like, I am not a monster. Like when he wakes up, you know, he's, right. he's just feral and he doesn't know where he is and he's confused. And he's like, I am not a monster. And he, fi- he reads the notebook in which the scientist has written all his discoveries. Uh, yeah. The, the Floronic Man. Flor- yeah, the Floronic Man. Yeah. Um, he reads that. I love how... I love how he wakes up from his deep freeze. And he's like, let me do some light reading. And he's yeah. like, no! <laughs> I do love that. Not only that, but then we tell the story of like, Swamp Thing doesn't want to do anything. Right? Like he just goes and lays down and becomes the earth. Right? Yep. Like we start that next episode or that next issue that's one of my, that's such a cool idea that like, no, he's given up. And there's all this cool imagery of like, you can still kind of see his facial features. But barely, but barely in that. Right. Time. You have to really look. It's so, it's such an interesting way of like, well, how do we motivate the swamp thing to come back and do something, right? How do we motivate him to come alive and, and want to do this, right? And so- there is this whole like remembering sequence and this whole flashback sequence and I where, you know, he gets recharged to come back. And the only reason he comes back is because the Floronic man is starting to take control of all the plants. Right. And right. that kind of wakens up Swamp Thing. And and it's this it's this really kind of uh, it's an interesting way to reset the piece. And Alan Moore does. A, a great job of sort of creating a new motivation, creating a new way to do this. Now, the original ones that I read, the 70s ones, are very monster of the week, right? There's an issue with giant caterpillar worms. There's an issue with a werewolf. There's an issue with a town full of deformed people. There's like every issue is very monster of the week in the 70s. It's very like, how do we, you know, like, it's that same thing. Like, remember, Blade was like that, and yeah. then uh, what's Buffy, the werewolf? Buffy, one? you mean? Yeah, you, you, well, no, like Blade, the old comic book, the mm. Blade, right? Mm. So it was very like my, all those seventies horror comics were very yeah. monsters of the week, very much like the trope that Buffy follows and that the X Files followed for the really baddie, long time. the baddie of the week, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I really do. I like that. Alan Moore is going. Nope. We're not going to do that. I'm going to give you an arc of a bad guy. I'm going to give you this new reason that he's around. I'm going to give you a, uh, you know, a whole new way to look at Swamp Thing and raise the stakes a little bit. But I also love that Swamp Thing takes place in Louisiana. Why, Josh? Why do you love that it takes place in Louisiana? I get tired of every superhero being in New York, right? And there's a, you know, there's some of them that are in California or the, a lot of the DC ones are in fake places, right? Like Central City and Gotham and Metropolis. But I love that, like, the bayou is where, is, is where we've got Swamp Thing, right? Like, but it's also not, um, stereotypical. It's not like people being like, well, it's not Waterboy Bayou, you know? Uh, No, but you've been, I guess, like, you have to have a place where swamps are. Right, that would be necessary. So yeah, yeah. That's bene- beneficial to to this At story. At least to start off with, right? <laughs> and then I I just think it's a really it's a it's a 
it's an interesting place because in the American mythos, right? The it's, bayou and the swamp, you don't really know anything about it, right? It's mysterious. It's There's this Southern Gothic. It's right. It's the, the voodoo, it's, right? It's, like, yeah, it's it's. It's this is a horror, and, and at least in the, in this run, there's a, there's a certain amount of horror involved in here, and so yeah. it's very much like a rose for Emily, and like all these southern gothic horror things, where yeah. you know, um, you know, I I think of like I want to see him go into like an old plantation, you know, and like you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's haunted by like ghosts and things like that. You know, one of the things that I, I like about Swamp Thing as well, the character is. Uh, Swamp Thing, other than maybe the first two issues in this run, is almost like an ancillary character in his own titular title here. You know, like right. it's it's about the it's about the antagonist, or it's about. It's, oftentimes, these stories are about the antagonist, and then Swamp Thing comes in and is kind of in the background. Especially the further you go along in this volume, the less that Swamp Thing seems to be involved because when he speaks. Especially in like the last three or four books, he speaks in very short. Like you have a nice inner monologue. Swamp Thing can give you a nice inner monologue where Alan Moore can just wax poetic about about right. things for a while. But when he speaks, he's very you know like a like a plant. Like he's language. He uses it very simply, uh, and he doesn't use it. He's not very. Um, loquacious as a character uh so everything has to be either told through these inner monologues of swamp thing or the story has to revolve around one of the other supporting characters right and in like i like the idea that swamp thing is now a force yeah right like he's a he's a literal force of nature Later in Swamp Thing, they call it the green. Like he's attached right. to the the green is a big a big term they use. Like when Constantine gets involved with Swamp Thing and and right. when he's when he's crusading across the world trying to protect the green. Right. So let me ask you, and and we're gonna we're just gonna jump around because I yeah. I thought about like writing down like a path for this one. And but there's so and, many little things I want to talk about. And we should, um, because I think we, we learned this lesson like two podcasts ago when we were like, hey, okay. this way. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, what did you think? Uh, so this does a very 70s comic book or a very 80s sort of DC thing, right? Like, how do I get you to buy issues of the Swamp thing? Uh, I'm going to throw the Justice, Justice League, League in it. Right. What did you blood in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did What did you think of the Justice League popping up in your Swamp Thing story? Uh, because up until this point, it seemed very separate from yeah, the DC world until in, until we get the Justice League to pop up. And it's not as though they pop up real late. They it's like what the third, third book or, or something issue. like yeah. that. During that first fight against the main protagonist, the fluorescent man, the Justice League. Yeah, like, we fought him before. And now he seems much more powerful. Um, yeah. Here's Here's I, I'm not. I could. I could live without it. I mean, it was fine. It was kind of cool. I, I liked it from the standpoint that I really liked seeing Bissett's drawings of those characters. But I for felt, sure. But I felt like Alan Moore had disdain for having to put those characters in his book because they all sound exactly the same. Every one of those superheroes. If you read the Justice League in there, um, they all are like just cookie cutter. Like the Superman doesn't talk like Batman. You know, they're all just very. 
they all kind of blend into one giant superhero way of talking and interacting with each other. You get no sense of who the Justice League is individually, um, but you don't get a lot of time with them. But they just are kind of like these mouthpieces. It, It seems like... I don't know. It seems like an, they raised this an they, editorial think, like standpoint where they were like, yo, you got to throw in some Justice League, bro. And I also <laughs> think like they they serve a purpose to tell you, um, well, if this guy's such a big problem, why is Swamp Thing dealing with it? Right. Like, yeah, that that issue that we always talk about in the in, in, in this Marvel and we see it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Are so we like, about to talk about power levels, Josh? No, I don't. <laughs> we're not talking about power levels. What I, I think what I mean is, is this idea of like well, if this is such a big deal, why is, why is little Spider-Man taking care of it? Why aren't, why doesn't Thor just come in and like smash a dude? Right. Like, so I do like the idea of one, it lets you know that yes, this is taking place in the rest of DC. And there's a reason why all this is happening in Louisiana and no one has stepped in yet. Right. Um, and why Swamp Thing is the one who's gonna who's gonna do this? Um, but I, you know, I you're, you're right. I think the best part about it was seeing uh, Bissett's drawings of yeah. the of the Justice like a very not anything like I don't I've never seen them drawn like that before. Yeah, that's that's what was really neat. So I'm like from that standpoint, I really love it. I'm the issue I got is an old uh, hard copy. I got it years ago, and it's got yeah. the old. Um, newspaper print and the colors oh. the colors of uh, the superheroes really pop uh, all like all the reds and blues in this book yeah. really pop on that newspaper print and so it was really cool like seeing Superman in that and because and, all the other colors throughout the Swamp Thing are like you know lots of greens and right. and, and you know s- oranges and things like that and then you have yeah. bright superman so it was, it was really cool from artistic point to see them on so there. the the hard so i read mine on uh on my ipad because it was five bucks and i was like oh i want to check it out right oh that's i've never a, read it before steal baby five bucks on uh comicsology five dollar swamp thing <laughs> it was uh, it was on sale i was like yeah i'm totally gonna read it i read old swamp thing before let's let's read alan moore's so the is that an oversized version no, it's just uh, no. a hardcover slip cover. On. Okay, Ooh, it looked well, holy smokes! I never, I never took the slip cover off. Look at that oh, bad a, boy, dude. That doesn't need you. That needs a slip cover off. Yeah, exactly. That is a beautiful under. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, which everyone yeah. is, uh, it's like almost an embossed um, close-up of the Swamp Thing's face when you take off the slip cover. <gasps> very delicious. Nice. Uh, very nice. Uh, so can I, start, we, can I can I go broader, yeah. Josh? Did you like? Yeah. I, I I guess since you like this, but like compared to things like we've read old stuff before. We've read Frank yeah. Miller's old stuff. I don't think we ever done Alan Moore before. I, I was trying to remember if we did the Killing Joke or not. But um, yeah, I think we did do the Killing Joke. Um, and so did you? Do you do you like this? Is this something that you like? You're like, wow! Not only did we read it for the podcast, but like I'm putting this on the shelf, and that's like uh, I really like that piece. I did. I did really. I did enjoy it a lot. I think I want to. I, I really kind of want to read the next volume because this is just the inner. This is like the taste of it, right? And I feel like Alan Moore is doing some stuff that you have to do, right? You have to put the Justice League in. Hey, put Etrigan in it, right? Like let's let's throw one more character people know in there, right? Like put the demon in there, and 
And I'm curious to see where the story goes after this. I that, did that enjoy Matt, a lot. That Matt Cable storyline is just getting off the ground. Right. I do. I've been on this sort of classic comic book kick right now because comicsology has been going, hey, Josh, uh, you want to read some old comics, right? So I read. Uh, <laughs> I just got a picture of you like at night, like in sweaty sheets, tossing and turning. And like you get up, you you splash so, water on your face, and in the mirror, it's like, "Hey, Josh." Yeah. <laughs> you like so let me Batman. just let me let me give you a taste of what I've been with the the books I've digested. Give us a little um, taste. Make sure it's vegetarian, though. Batman and the Outsiders. Got it. From 1983. Nice. <laughs> uh, Doom Patrol. Okay. Right. So uh, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, 1987. Uh, I read that swamp. I said, read this Alan Moore swamp thing. And then I was like, you know what? I really kind of dug Grant Morrison's doom patrol, but it was a little too weird. Like it was hard to like, I, I have no bearing of the doom patrol. I never read it before. So I, I, he starts a couple issues in. So I have no idea who those characters were. And mm-hmm. when Grant Morrison takes over, he doesn't tell you, he just continues so, with the story. Old Grant Morrison would be actually kind of fun to dip your toes into. So I am reading right now. Animal Man. I'm reading Grant Morrison's run on Animal Man. Okay, it's super fun. Like, there's just something. The reboot they did, like when they did the new fifty. No, no. This is 1988. The next, the reboot in 1988 of when he takes over, of when Grant Morrison takes over Animal Man in 1988, and it's a fun. Like, it's like it's a superhero who's trying to be a superhero in San Francisco, and like, it's it's or San Diego. It's a I'm on this weird '80s comic book kick, and I think it's because I read all of that. Uh, I read all of that '90s Batman. I read all of that, like the Bane, broken Nightfall Batman. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's go back a little bit. Let's <laughs> let's take a jaunt. Let's take a jaunt back into the '80s because you and I have talked about this before. Um, I don't really love Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, Dark Knight Returns is seminal, yeah. but it's a, it's Frank Miller can be tough. I did really dig Frank Miller's Daredevil that we read, but I was like, you know, I don't have a lot of DC in my background except for Batman, right? Like, that's the only DC I normally read. Right. And so I said, let's go back and read some weird stuff. And so uh, I'm really enjoying kind of this this little trip I'm taking uh, with some some old, uh, some 80s DC stuff. What would you and, say, and, Josh, to people who want to do this, what you're doing? What do they have to, what kind of mindset do they have to go into if they're going to go on Comixology and pick like a volume, uh, uh, eight issue arc of Animal Man? Like, what are some things, is there, is there a, a certain way you have to approach it that's going to make the experience more enjoyable? So when you like, let me let me flip this on you. What made you pick up this this swamp thing? thing? Well, so uh, I had you've thought, had it for a while. You well, said for a while, and I think I got like maybe like two issues into it, um, and it was I wasn't ready. I, I this is early. Maybe this is in the first year of the podcast, and we hadn't yeah. read as much stuff. We hadn't branched out as much. So it was during that heavy image phase of when yeah. we're reading all those new image books. And so I think because I was in that mode, and this wasn't that. Like, I was like, oh, I, I don't hate it, but, like, it's I'm distracted. Right. I, I, I've been going back and reading Old Silver Surfer. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is kind of hard. Uh, <laughs> some of it's pretty tough. Yeah. And some other things like that. I've been, I've been diving back as, as well. And I was sitting there. I'm like, I got Swamp Thing right there. And I've always loved the, the design of Swamp Thing. Yeah. And I'm like, let me pick this bad boy up. Because I've been reading a lot of stuff digitally. 
And I like that. I've been enjoying that more, but I wanted to have a comic in my hand. And there's yeah. very few trades on my shelf that I haven't read all the way through. And so I went through, I'm like, oh, I haven't read this all the way through. Um, and that's the great thing about comics. You know how you like sometimes you buy a bunch of books, but you, you, they're on your bookshelf, but you haven't read yeah. them. But for yeah. comics, like if it's on my shelf, I've pretty much read it, you know? Right. And I love that. Right. So that was kind of uh, my take on that. But um, so I, I, to, get, to get back to your point, I mean, the reason why. I read the first run of Swamp, like that old 1972 run of Swamp Thing, is because I, too, dig the design of Swamp Thing, right? I don't know a lot about the character. Um, I just know that he's got a really kind of cool design. Um, I really love those 70s uh, covers, those horror suspense, stories of suspense. Like, I really dig those, and, and I do love the what DC and, and Marvel were doing in the seventies and eighties with those magazine style editions of stuff. Right. And some of those old swamp things and those suspense stories would be in that magazine format. And so that's when I originally read it, I'm like, I just want to do some classic comic book. Yeah. Right. But I think I'm in a spot right now where um, I don't, I don't know. There's so much new right now that I don't know what to like, you and I haven't read a new image for this show in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's not something we've done. But I just don't I don't know what to read and nothing right now is making me go, yeah. I've, I've been looking too. I've been looking too. Yeah, nothing is making me go, heck yeah, I want to read that. And I, we had this run where all we were reading was image stuff. And so I was like, you know what? I want to read some classic stuff. And yeah. so part of that was last year, you know, starting before the election through to February when I read all of that 25 year anniversary of, of, of uh, nightfall nine volumes. And I was like, okay, I dig this. I dig the nostalgia of it. I dig reading old comics. Let's go and do that. And let's go read stuff that I never read because you know, in 1984 I was two. Yeah. So I never would have read it, right? I mean, you might, I might have found them in like a, a, a box of comic books somewhere. Sure. You know, everybody has like a really old box. It's also, it's also a celebrated run. This is a classic right. celebrated run. Right. Yeah. And and so, and also, I think the other piece of it is, is that this Watchmen's coming out on HBO. And I wanted to go read something by Alan Moore that wasn't Watchmen. And Swap Thing's coming out on uh, the DC app. Uh, yeah, on, on DC app. Yeah, yeah. And so... I think which if I you're going to do, I did not know until I was like like about a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you want to do this, if you want to do what I yeah, did, I want to hear you wanna advice. Re, if you want to read stuff that that you weren't around for, you you just got to have an open mind, man, because it's not modern comics. You've got, so I, yeah. There's more. There's oftentimes more telling than showing, right? In modern comics, it's a lot of show and not tell. Uh, so it's a lot of like. Oh, I can tell he's angry because they drew him to look angry. A lot of older comics, they're they're telling you and showing you, right? And you got to know that the color is not the coloring's not going to be the same. The art's not going to be the what you're print used is to. Oftentimes, not even the same. The print looks cheaper, you know. Right, I like right. That, you know, right. And so you just have to kind of. I'm not looking at it to go like I am wowed by this story. I'm going at it for the craft of comic book writing. How did, how are they telling the story in this medium? And then I'm always looking for what are they doing here that I see in yeah. what I'm reading now. That's what I love right? going back into is seeing, seeing 
the roots of what now has become this pun intended yeah no it wasn't but that's good i'm gonna say it was swap thing <laughs> um yeah i i say you have to be patient when reading it uh, yeah. we, we learned that with frank miller's daredevil like yeah. it took us about eight issues to get to the point where we're like oh i i feel it's almost like you have to read it's it's more about volume with the old right. stuff like you have to consume 10 or 12 issues of a run before you feel like what well, it, the tone it was of. written differently, yeah. right? Like comic books then were written issue to issue, right? Yeah. They weren't written to give you like, oh, here's your six, here's your four to six issues. That's a story that I can put into a trade. And then I'm going to start the next arc with new writers and artists. And they're going to take it in their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Agree, yeah. You know? And so I really do love this idea of, you know, um, I read this and I'm like, okay, I need more of that. This amount of issues was not enough to tell me really where Alan Moore is going with it. And I can see the seeds of why it's a really good run. Just like when we read Frank Miller's Daredevil, we can see the seeds of it being a really good run, especially when you see him really fully take over that book. Right. Right. Um, uh, and so I think I'm most definitely going to read volume two. And, and, and see where that goes, uh, especially if I can snag it for five bucks on Comixology. Why the hell not, right? That's the other thing about these old comics, man, if, you, if you're okay with reading them digital, uh, you could read some, like, really heavy runs for, like, little to no money. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really, I'm really, I really, I'm in this kick right now. I'm reading, I'm at the same time uh, as I'm reading uh, um, uh, Animal Man, I'm reading uh, Cerebus. Right, like yeah. the Aardvark, right? So I'm I'm reading that. I bought two giant volumes for like five bucks a piece at a comic book shop when I was back in Michigan. So I'm I'm reading that right now at the same time. Just because I, there's just something where like I want to read some classic stuff, right? Stuff that everybody's talked about that I have no knowledge of. Next thing, next time you talk to me, I'm going to be reading Elf Quest. That's what's going to happen. Is I'm going to I'm going to read some old indie Elf Quest. But I I feel like if you're going to read this. Go into it knowing that it's a classic, yeah. right? Don't go in expecting modern comic books. But I'll tell you what, it's a good story. Right. And and it, what I love about this book, because we'll, we'll, we'll switch up gears here, is let's talk about Alan Moore. We're going to talk about Alan Moore so much. And here's the thing. Alan Moore walks a fine line with me uh, where sometimes, because it's, it's all heavy. Like, he's, he, but then he's so, so poetic serious. sometimes. Hip. I know. I just, this is my favorite lines that I marked on here. This is this is classic, classic uh, <laughs> Alan Moore. The rains have stopped. Clouds like plugs of blooded cotton wool dab ineffectually at the slash wrists of the sky. Clouds <laughs> like plugs of blooded cotton wool dab ineffectually at the slashed wrists of the sky. You're like, that's so Alan Moore, and I love it, man. Like, I love how it basically, Alan Moore is a kid who's really into writing their senior year of high school going, like, full, like, just, like, full out. But somehow he makes it work. It's just like. Right, but here, here's another, this, this is the first issue where he fully takes over and he gets to write his own story, right? Okay. This is the first, this is the first line. It's raining in Washington tonight. Plump, warm, summer rain that covers the sidewalks with leopard spots. Downtown, elderly ladies carry their house plants out to set them on the fire escapes as if they were uh, infirm relatives or boy, 
or boy kings. kings. Yep. I like that. Like, and if, you, if you if you read the Watchmen first episode, it's yeah. all about rain hitting the streets right? and shit. <laughs> and, and like, I like that. I it literally he writes. I like that. Right. Yeah, like yeah. it's so like he very much lets the narrator do this. Right. Uh, he, he's so um, noir. Like his yes his his, his uh, inner monologues are so like oh like I see a detective in a hat being like. She walked yeah. into my room. She had legs for days, legs for hours, legs for minutes? Question mark. I like right? that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I, there, there's this very the narration in this um, is it's very good. Yeah, it's very good. You get a it's, line that is that his lines make me feel the way art panels do. Right. When I see a panel, I'm like, oh, look at that beautiful panel. But I hear like a little line, a little bur- uh, bubble, and I'm like, oh, that is just, uh, right. mm, I want to, it's, it's, it's visceral. It's like you could scoop it out of the comic. You know, it's, it's not throwaway. It's just like, it's him, it's, it's writing masturbation. It's just like he's trying to get, it is. he's trying to get himself off with his words. And I'm like, you go, Alan Moore. He's just edging the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this, it's, it's, I, Alan Moore, this is something that's made for Alan Moore, right? This dark, and you can see this is, this is the beginnings, right? This is his first DC work, right? This is him like taking a property a DC property and, and putting his stamp on it, right. Putting his giant, like his giant, like scruffy beard all over it. Right. Like he's, he's doing it. Do you think like Al Moore always seems to me, especially in this era when he was writing 19, you know, uh, 1984, um, is he, it's like, it's almost like he's on a quest to write comics, to let the world know, Hey, comics are literature. Right. I think you're right. I think him and Frank Miller are doing that same thing, right? I feel like I, there should be, someone needs to make this movie, right? And it, like, I I don't, I I don't know if, I don't know if Frank Miller and Alan Moore ever talk to each other, but you want to think that they have this great, like, rivalry kinship that takes, I don't know, I don't know enough about comic book history or lore about these guys to, and I've never looked at it. I could probably look it up, but I want someone to do the movie where you see them, like, trying to, one up each other with how ridiculous it can be. Like some of the lines and the dark Knight returns are just like, I feel like uh, Miller writes them and he goes like, how do you like them apples? Alan Moore. What do you think about that like one? The, right. The old like, battle for the, the late night, the late night yeah, battle between Jay Leno yeah. and David Letterman. What's the, what's the, what's the line about the surgery? Like uh, on an operating table yeah. that's in the dark night returns. A, this ain't a mud hole boy. This is an operating table. Operation. And I'm yeah. a surgeon. <laughs> it's so it's so great. And I feel like these two guys, whatever you want to say about what Frank Miller kind of turns into later, their philosophy on humanity, basically. Right. You know, isn't great. Yeah. But there's, there's these two guys and Alan Moore, you're right. They, they do this thing and they go, no man, this is an art. This is a form of literature. And I'm going to write the shit out of it. Yep. This vegetable man that I'm writing. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to treat it kitty. 
Um, not to say that this is like an adult comic book because it's not. It's not like there's not overly adult themes. It's not as grim and 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 like the world hates you. Like sometimes like, it is. Sometimes, but, sometimes it is. <laughs> right. The same, but it's not. Yeah. It's not Watchmen yeah, level. Oh no, like, not at Or V for Vendetta. Right. Uh, and so and so. Uh, at one I point, do, Swamp Thing it. is literally talking to the skull in his own psychedelic trip of his former human self, holding it up yeah. like fucking Hamlet, you know? I, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is, it's incredibly, uh, these are two, like, he's he's a lit major, right? It reads like a lit major who's like, well, I can't get a novel gig. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lit major who's just like, uh, uh, just never, actually, it's probably too distracted and lazy to sit down and write the great American novel or the great novel. And it's just like, I could, I'll be doing some Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do some Swamp Thing. Uh, but, so let me ask you about this. The art, uh, what did you think of? So Bissette does most of it. The first issue is written, is, is drawn by the other art team for issues one through 19. And they all wrap up in issue 20. What, what did you think of uh, this art style? It's I, not quite, it's not quite, uh, Len, it's not quite, uh, oh crap, why can't I, Barry Wrightson, right? Like Wrightson's very 70s horror comic. This is kind of a, a little different. What did you think about it? I, uh, so uh, as I said, I love the aesthetic of Swamp Thing. Uh, I think the reason I like Swamp Thing is very much the reason I like Hellboy is because no two people can draw this character the same. And it just it just can't like there's just too like there's there's too many options when you're when you're when you're sketching to go into directions. It's impossible for an artist not to put a bit of themselves in the character of Hellboy or in a Swamp Thing, I think. You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, and so I love that. And so I love the art in here. The detail. My God, the detail. It's, Some it's of it's just, crazy. It's Some pages have no detail. Some pages have no detail, and then there are some pages where you're like, geez, man, how many little veiny things did you draw? Like, <laughs> I love how he shades. I love how he shades with just those straight lines, you know, just those straight razor lines, those, yeah. those dark lines. I love that. I love how he plays with shadow. I love uh, how the swamp thing is seen sometimes as a whole and sometimes as just green outlines shrouded in blackness oftentimes uh yeah i love that sense of it i love i really love the colors in this book also um and I, I i absolutely love it i i think i love it in the same way and this is one of the things that i want to attack next yeah is old conan i want to attack old oh, conan I do. issues i have i have a giant collection of conan magazines uh super fun stuff yeah and <laughs> and i and i feel about Swamp Thing art, especially Bissette's art on this, the way it's not the same as Conan's by any means. Uh, but I feel that there, I feel like it's it's mythic. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. I feel no, like I there's a sense of real mythic craftsmanship in in the way he draws heroes and action, yeah. and everything is Swamp Thing is larger than life. Um, his I love how he draws Swamp Thing's size and he's hunched. Yeah, he has a real sense for. I get a sense of how this character moves. He's not just a vegetable man that's walking around the panels. He's this hulking mass, lumbering of vegeta- thing, vegetation, yeah. and it just it. Uh, 
Mwah. Love it. It almost wants me right. to be a vegetarian. It almost wants me to be the opposite of vegetarian, just a carnivore, because I don't want to eat this beautiful um, uh, roughage that could eventually assemble <laughs> to be a swamp man. Right? It could, it could gain sentience and become a swamp man. Uh, let me ask you, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the – there's some interesting – uh, throughout, just to continue on this idea of art, there is an incredible amount of like whenever they write Swamp Thing, I love it. I freaking love how every issue at the beginning of the issue when they write Swamp Thing, it's this very like every time they do it, they're like, well, how can what's the weird thing? How can we write it this time? Whether it's uh, like uh, one of the issues is called Roots, right? And so they write it and it's it's written in, in roots. roots. And then uh, another issue, you know, they 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 every issue they write Swamp Thing, and it's always done in plants, and it always looks different, and it's always so damn badass every time they do it. I go, wow, it's so good. I love it so much. It's in, just one in of those this issue they have created by Lean Ween and Bernie Rice. Like it's it's like Swamp Thing, but they give them credit. They put it yeah. in blue, so you have to really look for it. it, it they yeah. hide. It's that's a brilliant. Yeah, it's this very sort of very fun throughout every issue they write it, and it's this very kind of cool way to do it. Um, let me. Did you notice in that first issue? It's a different artist in the first issue, but one of the things that kind of stood out to me as we're starting reading this is, and the layouts continue to be, be whenever there's a two page spread, like a double page spread. The layouts, they do this uh, when you've got uh, an inside panel where it, or inside spread yep. where it's a left page and a right page. And that first issue, the bottles, yeah, the whiskey bottles, or, or there's that framing device, and he does it several times in that first yep, issue. I love it. I love and it's, it. It's great. I love it's it. So, it's so interesting to to when they play with when they play with that in that first issue, and then you see Bissette do his own thing later on. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of like giant heads in the background. So right now I'm on page 150 and 151 of the digital version. And I think it's probably numbered the same it, way it for you. It plays, it plays, he's, they're playing with just comic, like the, the whole trope, like the whole like layout of, uh, of how a comic works. Right. I love it. And it's this, it's this very fun way to, um, use the comic book medium and yeah, they, they that one's so good it's so good they do this he does this a whole lot where um there's a large background image and the 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 um other pieces are over top of it and then throughout a lot of times uh there is a one page a, a splash page that is the most movie poster or the most cinematic looking one Dude, uh, there's when we pick best wait, are we getting the best panels because my best panel I, I haven't cheated in a while but it's definitely a splash page i just mine is it. mine's not a splash page but i'm looking at one right now and i want to know say, if I, oh, okay, okay go ahead i'm gonna say it i'm gonna because yeah. i'm at it right now page 133 yep that's it oh well then i'm not gonna talk about it yeah. i'm not gonna talk about it i'll let you talk about it but there's a bunch of those throughout this where it's like you could just make a, a black light painting of that and just put it in your room when you were a kid, and it would have been 
the dopest thing ever. As a kid, uh, I'll do it right now. You give me a black white painting of Swamp Thing, I will put that shit up. <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I will drench my apartment in black lights just to light up the Swamp Thing. But they're they're in every issue. There's like one of those panels, and it's just, it's, and I think it really has to do with the coloring, yeah. because there's just a lot of solid color. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, page one fourteen, for example, and the in the digital version, I think it's in the same version for you too. Uh, yeah. It's this giant red background, and the Floronic Man in front of it, and literally the main colors are this yellow, green purple and red right and it and it and it's so monochromatic right it's so like color blocking it almost hurts to look at it for too long right and it's but it's great because i will tell you the thing that annoys me the most about modern comic books especially some of the dc house stuff and it happened a lot in the early probably 2000 to 2008 when everybody started using photoshop to color everything and they decided, like, oh, you know what's really cool? I'm going to use the gradient tool. I'm just going to gradient the shit out of everything, yeah. right? And it just doesn't look real, right? Like, I, it's a comic book. Let your colors speak. Make a decision. Your backgrounds are this obnoxious red color because you're trying to showcase something, right? It's fire. You don't need to draw gradient fire behind it. Give me a feeling with the color as yeah. opposed to trying to show me what it really would look like in real life. Cause it doesn't matter. See, I don't want to see the apocalypse. I want to feel the apocalypse. That did Alan Moore just write that? <laughs> I don't want to see the apocalypse. I want to feel the apocalypse. That's that's um, uh, Rorschach is uh, who plays Alan Moore and uh, um, uh, Frank Miller in the Frank Miller, Alan Moore movie you're writing. Uh, the buddy comedy, that's uh, the Frank Miller, Alan Moore quasi-biopic. Um, so it's where Alan Moore's like, I'm too high for this shit. <laughs> Alan Moore is played by um, a slimmed Zach Galifianakis. Oh! No. <laughs> that is not bad. For a first stab at that, it's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, I th- you know, but and Alan Moore is too gangly and, and like uh, Man in the Mountain. Howard Stern. But, Howard if, Howard, if Howard Stern can grow a giant beard like that, it'd He's be just think, Swamp Thing, take off your pants. Okay, show me your ass, Swamp Thing. Okay, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's good. Um, baba booey, baba booey, baba booey. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's get into this. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. That was my favorite joke of 2019 in the podcast right there. It's just I'm just matching Howard Stern playing Alan Moore saying he's like the new issue of swap thing. Baba booey, baba booey, baba booey. <laughs> so let's let's talk let's talk favorite panels. Because here's the thing. Guys, it's re- I, to what the story is, and we didn't do a recap of this. I don't know that a recap really works it's this new take on swamp thing it, it's two major villains he's, he's a swamp thing yeah all you need to know so oh, i want to do thing. i want to do favorite panels with you and then i want to ask you i'm not reading any current swap thing i don't even know if swap things going on right now but i want to ask you what 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 do you do you're given the reins you're given the alan moore oh, reins wow. so so while we do panels i want you to just put that in your i just want you to put that in the back of your mind really quick right okay. just just Tumble it around a little all right, bit, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, 
Favorite panel. You had yours picked out already, so you lay it on me. What's yeah. your favorite panel? I like anything, any of the panels from book two, first of all, work. They all work. Book two is my favorite book in this, where he's like dealing with his internal self. But I can't, I, I, I gotta cheat. I gotta do a splash page. 133, you said it. It's Swamp Thing in a very, it, it's almost like a crucifix the position. Jesus pose. Yeah, <laughs> but like there's this sense of uh, utter acceptance and joy in his posture and his face and as someone who lives in japan a very asian background with the cranes and the it's red a very sun like coming up there red sun behind him yeah, yeah and it's just it's got these the shades the shadows and that straight line sketching uh of the swamp behind him this kind of pink muddled um uh, uh water is a reflection of the sun uh, and then everything is just kind of in layers of sunset colors until you rise into this brilliantly red sun that's got the shadows of cranes uh, going by. That that's 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 my swamp thing right there. That's it. That's my swamp. And thing. that that's what Louisiana looks like every night, buddy. Yeah, oh, I'm moving to Louisiana. <laughs> on the, the bayou. So here's here's what I here's what mine. Mine is 68, page 68. I think it's in. It probably is in book two. Um, or maybe book three. Um, it's in issue 22. So the third issue, this is where, uh, Swamp Thing is residing into the green, right? Um, and he's thinking about his former life at the top of this page is this, the pools of Swamp Thing as he's turning into, uh, as he's turning back into just the ground his eye sockets and his little mouth triangle are filled with pools of water. And in this place, you get like in this version, you're kind of looking down at it. And in the eyes, he's remembering his former life, right? Like he's remembering uh, his wedding. Uh, and you see the two hands clinking glasses. And this is where he's like dealing with the fact that he's not actually Alec, right? Oh, that he, yeah, that he yeah. you know, as, as he's wrestling with this idea. Um, I like it because there's a, there's a, when we do this flashback, all the colors were very vibrant before this. But when he, when when uh, the creative team does this flashback, they do a very pastel sort of very eastery colors as they go through this flashback of every time they flip back to that him thinking about it. And this starts it off and it is a direct quick change of color because everything else is very bold and vibrant. And then you get here and it's this very sort of like muted, soft palette. And I just really like the That's imagery cool. I really like the imagery of like the reflection of who he was in these pools of water that are now his, his face as, as he's kind of oh, sinking back in, into being the green. Uh, but literally there is a couple panels on every one of these where I go, man, if I could find that, right. Uh, if I could find this panel where he's uh, like carrying a skeleton, right. Or the, the, there's a, there's a page where well, I, there's like I, a big, dinosaur behind it i guess there's, there's this all this stuff. i guess this day and age you could take a photo of it and then go to like uh uh shutterfly blow it up and have it printed for you <laughs> but wouldn't they isn't there there's there's got to be someone looking at that shutterfly i don't stuff to, i know because you're not it's not like a t-shirt it's not like i know it's custom ink will do it but i don't think i don't think shutterfly does that i don't know well we'll see i don't know i'm gonna try it on that on that that crane shot that's for sure i, I think you should um so what am i gonna do a swamp thing what do i do a swamp thing 
Yeah, what do you do Swamp Thing? What's right, your what's so your what I do? I talked about it earlier. What I want to do is like I like my Batman street level, Detective Batman. I like my Swamp Thing the same way. Street level, but in this case, it's not a street, it's a bayou. Uh, and so I keep them I make it a Louisiana Southern story. And I like the idea of this there's these plantations, right? So you, I put them on a plantation. The plantation is uh so I love the fact that uh, Swamp Thing is such a great vehicle for an allegory because he's just a thing to place yeah. other issues on. So we have, we talked about this, uh, I, I, we don't like heavy-handed stuff, but we do have this resurgence of this certain demographic of, of thinking in the South, right? You can say, you can say fascist neo-Nazis. Fascist neo-Nazis in the, in the South. <laughs> and somehow that has awakened the spirits of the, the plantations on the green. Like all this negative energy, it's it's resounding. You know, they talk about how oh, green can feel. That's it. good. Yeah, that's and, good, bud. And, and so Swamp Thing, and it, and it somehow creates this this. I love Swamp. I also love Swamp Thing when he faces another monster because it's like two monsters trying to rationalize what it means to be an outsider in society and to yeah. be upset about being that and how to find your place. So the this this new neo Nazi. Uh, energy in the south has somehow awakened these old ghosts of these plantations that like alec have been absorbed into the green and he has to not defeat them like physically obviously there'll be some sweet battles but it's about like well how do we integrate people who have that anger and that memory back into a society um without completely like being like, oh, you're the victims, but now you have become like, so how do we like acknowledge yeah. like, the fact that they are victims, but at the same time find a place and an acceptance with them? I like it. I yeah. like it. I think I would go, uh, I like your street level sort of thing. I like the story that you just laid out there. I think that you should write your script, make it happen, yeah. uh, pitch it to DC. Baba Booey. Um, Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Uh, I think I would go and just do. I want it. I would go back to probably slightly Monster of the Week vibe with Swamp Thing, but do a very sort of X Filey thing, right? Where, but I want to keep it very mystical and very magical, right? Um, and you kind of see that happen in this a little bit with Jason Blood and a couple other things like that. But I very much want to do a, I do a X Filey's take on it. But in the in the South in Louisiana, uh, and Swamp Thing is he's the protagonist only in the fact that he's there to he's he's the immovable object, right? Mm. All of these things are happening in the South for some reason, and he is the force of nature that stops them. Right. Just right? make it real, real Southern, real like. Yeah. Get the real, back, like, great backdrops in there. Right. And, and uh, so think of, or, or think about, or um, very much like that first season of uh, the. Um, true Blood. It was the only. True. No, not True Blood. What's the one? Uh, all, all, right, all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, and the true other detective. Guy. True detective. A very much like, or go that route and take it as a, a serial killer. 
Oh, and that could be interesting. Serial killer in the south. Yeah. Serial killer in the south and Swamp Thing is <coughs> somehow the only person who can piece it all the only thing that can can piece it all together, right? Nice. Nice. I that because one. because of because of his connection to the green, right? Uh maybe the idea is like the way that these people are murdered, the blood goes into the, like, Ooh, maybe that's, there you go. That's it. May, that's it. Maybe that's how he can solve the mystery is because he, the bio, the biological interaction of the, the kill on the soil. And you start off, you know how they have those, um, uh, farms, those death farms where they let things decompose to decide yeah. like how, like along the, you start off with like that, like the, and you have Alan Moore narration behind it. Death farms. A place. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, last question before we go, uh, yeah. before we start wrapping this up, is Swamp Thing notorious for his famous crossovers? Constantine and Swamp Thing are like peanut butter and jelly. You know, yeah. like Constantine's always popping up in Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing's always popping up in Constantine, and so on. Uh, uh, Swamp Thing has, has been to Gotham for a couple of runs and, and taken over Gotham with vegetation. Um, who do you, who do you, what's a, what's a good pairing of, with Swamp Thing? Uh, I like. I do like Swamp Thing and Constantine because I like the the mystical element of it. Yeah. Um, but I do love Mitch Garrids and Tom King do a one issue Swamp Thing Batman crossover called The Brave and the Mold. And it is it's wonderful. Okay. Just just the just the straight faced Batman, right? Like the the best part about them is they're both straight men. And so you get comedy from them both being like, just right. There's no, there's, no, it's just two things smacking against each other. There's no like, hey, rat a tat tat. It's just like, fact, fact, right? And so they just like they just plain talk each other. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, like yeah. there's, I think Batman and Swamp Thing are are a fun a fun concept. Um, I think I think it'd be cool to do uh, Doctor Fate would be a good one too. Oh yeah, that'd be a right? fantastic one. Yeah. Or Zatanna, Zatanna would yeah. be good. Do you dark, get that magic stuff? Dark. I think she's yeah she's hooked up with them before. You know who I actually love the most, and I I really would like uh, Dead Man. Yeah, yeah, Dead Man. You see a little a dead- bit of that with the Jason Blood thing, like that how that like those two like worlds were make yeah. sense to each other. Yeah, I think that would be a fun. That might even be good too. My X Files concept, but with Dead Man and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Swamp Thing, right? They're Mulder and Scully. Scully. Mold, get oh! it? Mold and Scully oh, because he's a dead me. man. <laughs> oh. I just did it. You're yeah, the moldy one was better, but I get it. <laughs> Scully, it's a skull. Dead man, it's perfect. Okay, we we'll get it. We got it. We got hey, it. DC, I, like I just it. I just trademarked that shit. <laughs> Pay me. All right, so. I would Travis. do a Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Swamp Thing crossover. Uh, I don't know what happens in the story, but the only color you can use in it is shades of green. Um, I'm going to say in the Green Lantern that you use is Guy Gardner. Yes, of course. It's that's, Guy Gardner. That's the, only, that's the only Green Lantern I acknowledge. The green I, I tell you what. If you could give me, if you could, if if I if Gardner, you give me get the, it, if you give me, oh my god. <laughs> The amount of jokes, it'd be perfect. So, if you could give me a DC character and said, all right, Josh, do it. It's Guy Gardner. 
<laughs> douchebag yeah. in space, man. Douchebag space cop. Yeah, no one's no one has no one has opened up that well again. Uh, that as far as you, I know, you need you need like you need like f- fuck up space cop guy Gardner and Howard. The that's Duck. what I we need to get. Marvel that's what I want. Here. I want to see guard. I want to see crossover DC Marvel Howard the Duck and Guy Gardner. Uh, you know you did so to be uh the DC version of Swamp Thing Man Thing does a lot of like Howard the Duck Man Thing. Crosses. Oh, do that. Yeah, was, that a, makes sense. was a big was a big thing. Uh, all right, so would you recommend this, Travis? Yes, I think we. I I, I would recommend. Well, I I think maybe we're probably in the same boat as, as this. We talked about this earlier. Um, if if you have reached a point, I recommend this to anyone who has reached a point in their comic career. Uh, where they are, they are like, oh, there's a lot of new stuff, but like, I just always want to be reading comics. It, sometimes it's hard to find what the new hit is, and so you're going backwards. This, if you are going backwards, put this in your top ten visits. I would say, um, in if you're gonna go back a few decades, this is in the top ten as far yeah. as Swamp Thing Saga, Alan Moore, Volume One. This is a great place to start, um, and that would be my recommendation. Super fun. Uh, I would I would tell you the same thing. So here's a quick little story to end it. Uh, in my classroom, I have a stack of old comic volumes, right? I have the Daredevil that we did. Me too. I have my Swamp Thing in my room. I have a Teen Titans in there. I have a classic... Uh, um, I have a Thor in there. I, like uh, yeah. I, just, just a stack of them in my classroom. And I just figure someday a kid will go, Mr. Buckley, can I read that? And a kid did this year. And he goes, Mr. Buckley, is this is that Frank Miller's first run on Daredevil? I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I, I really I'd I'd love to read that. I've always been I've wanted to read it. And I'm like, dude, just take it. You can borrow it. And he's like, yeah. I can? I'm like, Yeah, yeah man, go ahead. Just the that's what it's for, baby. That's yeah. that's what it's there for. Borrow it. And I said, I'm just gonna warn you right now, it's gonna take like six issues before you realize that this is it. It's a it's a big volume. Right? We read it, it's a big volume. It's gonna take like eight, six, eight issues for you to go like Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay. He's like, all right, I can do that. And so he comes back and gives it back to me. He goes, Mr. Buckley, you were right. When <laughs> you can tell when Frank Miller takes over, he goes, they used so much of it. in that, in that first series yeah, of, yeah. of uh, Daredevil, I'm like, I know it's good. Right. He's like, it really was. It really was good. <laughs> and so I feel vindicated. I put a bunch of classic comic books in my room and one of my students took Frank Miller Volume One, read it, and loved it. Uh, that's what comic books are for. That's what we they're do, for, baby. And that's what they're, we're they're, here to do. This is spread the gospel. Just hand it to somebody and go have fun. Read this. Uh, if you like comic, I would tell you like I wouldn't give this to a brand new comic book reader. I would give it to someone who reads comics and go, hey, get a little, go back a little bit, yeah. check this out. We just because read- that's what I did, and I love. I, I really loved it. it. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. In a similar, I'm going to be honest. In a similar sense, uh, uh, we just finished Dark Knight Returns in class for uh, English. Oh, God. I, and how pretentiously wonderful is that? What <laughs> class? English what? Is it like uh, well, pre-AP we do, kids? No, uh, US, uh, we do it with uh, 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 U.S. literature. Okay. 1980s, oh, that's perfect. Like 1980s allegory uh, for like Reagan and stuff like that. But this, I uh, love it. This uh, this this a kid finished it and he's like, oh, I love it. He goes, and he was reading Nightfall. He goes, oh, have you read Nightfall? I'm rereading Nightfall. I'm like, yeah, I read Nightfall, and I was like, I was like, it's good, huh? And so he's leaving on this plane flight tomorrow. So I'm actually going into work today. I'm sticking his dad's the teacher there. I'm gonna stick a couple yeah. of volumes of Batman in his box, like Zero Year and some stuff. 
And I'm just like, yeah. I don't want them back. It's just like, that's what comics are for, man. Take yeah. them. Like, and then, and then give it to someone else. And then give it to someone else. Like, I, whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, be like, where's my Batman Zero year? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So. But it was, it was a ton of fun. And, and, and to say, same story, one of, one, of Gabby's, uh, one of Gabby's friends, her son, uh, his son was in an accident and was in the hospital and liked comic books. And so I literally, I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I just grabbed a stack of my trades, just put them in a bag. Trades. Yeah. 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 I just took a stack of my trades and said, here you go, man. I gave him that, that the wonder woman run of new 52. I gave him a couple volumes of that. I gave him a, some Southern bastards. I was like, dude, just, just here. Just like oh, you gave up, your southern, you gave him some Southern bastards. Oh, that's not to, I got I got them all back, but okay. I, just, I, was okay. like, I was like, here's a bag. Here's a bag of stuff. Read it. You know, just, you know, just get it when you, when you're done, just give it back. You want some more. I've got some more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So nice. it, it was, it, that's what comic books are for. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to uh, Comic Exposure. You can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. Uh, you can check out all of our old episodes on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your, your podcast from. Or if you want an experience where you can just search month to month, year to year, you can go to the website, www.comicexposure.com. Check out all of our old episodes. Uh, and uh, also you can go on, I think about two weeks from now, you can go on and buy our pod things uh, design t-shirt that Josh is going to draw. Now uh, that I'm, now that I'm off of, now that I'm off of uh, work and I've got a little bit of free time, I, I've, stopped I've got one ready you, for and I, I've stopped asking you. I'm just like, it's called pod things. And it's, I just want the characters <laughs> doing a podcast. It's, I've, I've got, I've got uh, a couple ideas. In the I got a couple ideas. I do. Swamp Thing and Man Thing are two things that I just love to doodle. So I have a bunch of Swamp Thing doodles all over the place. So I, I am more than happy to get break out the iPad and, and do a little Swamp Thing doodle and, and make it happen. Uh, right. So we can do uh, we can do a ridiculous T-shirt. And if Travis is the only one who buys a T-shirt, he'll be the happiest man alive. I'll buy like three. Uh, uh, so ladies and gentlemen, Travis and I are going to work out what our next couple books are for the podcast as usual. Uh, I think we're just beyond like the way we used to do this. And really... Uh, we're just going to read and we're going to talk about comic books and we, we, if you should definitely read it and then join us in the conversation or hopefully this spurs you on to pick it up. Uh, and well, you can dig it and, and love it as much as we did. What we, what we will say is that, uh, as soon as we know what we're reading, Josh is good on social media. He will, he will like put it out there. He'd be like, Oh, we decided that we're going to read that, but we also reserve the right to take that back. <laughs> yeah. We will. We'll, we can change our mind as many times as you want. Uh, so Travis, it's always good talking to you, buddy. Always a pleasure, man. Enjoy your summer break. I'm going to. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week.